Hello and welcome to the More Confidence with Luna Gaia podcast. I am your host, Lenaria Gaia, and here we talk all things body image, self-esteem, your thinking in your mind, how do you connect true to you in every part of who you are. I want you to know that all of you is welcome, so sit back and relax and listen to today's episode. Sending you love. Hello, my beauties, and welcome to episode 140 of the More Confidence with Luna Gaia podcast. I am your host, Lenaria Gaia, and it is such a gift to have you here. It really is. You know, I we all have a finite amount of time, a precious amount of time, and we get to choose how we spend it, how we invest our time. And so the fact that you're here listening, the fact that you're watching on whatever platform you're tuning into, I want to say thank you. I really appreciate you being here and spending time with me. And I invite you to thank yourself as well. Because this is time well spent. You're bettering yourself. You are finding out more about yourself, more about what makes you tick, so that you can be a more confident, better version of you. A whole bunch of people aren't doing that right now. And you are. You're in a small minority of the world that are actually going, hang on a second, instead of me always feeding my brain rubbish, sometimes I'm going to feed it some nourishment. You might never feed your brain with with rubbish, <laughs> but I think that as humans, we all do from time to time, right? We might like watching trashy TV shows or we might feel inclined towards, towards some, you know, skanky fiction. <laughs> I know I sure do. So, you know, when we get the opportunity to invest in ourselves and feed our mind and our brain really beautiful, high-quality nourishment, I think that we should always stop and congratulate ourselves. So just go ahead now. Stop and congratulate yourself. Some of you are going, how, how, do, how do I do that? <laughs> so you can literally just, this is how I would do it. I put my hand on my heart and say, thank you so much for nourishing me with good things to listen to. Or I might say, I'm really proud of you that you're choosing to listen to something positive rather than listen to drama. Or I could say, congratulations on choosing you, my love. I would literally talk to myself as if I was somebody that I love. Because newsflash, I am somebody that I love. That's how you can create a better relationship with you. Talk to yourself as if you're somebody that you love. Heck, that could be a whole other po podcast episode in and of itself. You talking to yourself as if you're someone that you love. What a beautiful thing that would be, huh? The more you do it, the easier it'll get. Because you're going to get better and better and better at it. That's the beauty of it. Practice makes a whole bunch of you just said perfect. And for those of you who've listened to my podcast before or followed me, done any of my trainings or attended any live seminars with me, you would know that I don't believe that practice does make perfect. I believe that practice makes progress. And that progress, as per what the OG coach says, Tony Robbins, progress is the number one thing that we need for happiness. As long as we feel like we're progressing, we feel happier. We're leading towards something. We feel good when we're progressing. If you're going for perfection, perfection stipulates, it presupposes that there's going to be an end point, that you're going to get somewhere, that you're going to arrive at perfection. 
And because we won't finish growing until the day that we die, if that's the moment of perfection that we're going to to wait for happiness, we hopefully have a long way to go before we get there. But it also means that we're going to be miserable the entire time. No thanks. I don't know about you, but I want to be happy now. I want to feel confident and self-assured and in love with myself and my life at this point in my life. I don't want to wait any longer. Do you? Haven't you already waited long enough? Like I remember having this moment and, and, you know, welcome to this episode because today I know a whole bunch of you probably have only been following me for a little while. Yeah. You may not know that, that I come from a long history of not liking myself. From bulimia to confidence coach. That's what this episode is all about. And I'm going to share with you parts of my story or actually kind of, you know, as much of a story it's relevant to what's really going to help you of how I went from hating myself, dieting, thinking that I wasn't enough in a world of, let's face it, a shit show, to standing before you happy, content, progressing, still have days where it's I'm off. I still have moments where maybe fear gets the better of me. Not to say that I never have a negative day or feel like crap about myself, but I do have a whole bunch of tools and strategies to help me overcome all of those things because that's how I got here, to the happiness, to the joy, to, to living my dream effectively, to being able to help women and girls and blokes and others, whoever listens to my podcast, to revolutionize the way that you see yourselves and your bodies so that you can get out of your own way and start living. Not even start living, but also to, to start giving. You have a whole bunch of unique skills and talents that I know the world needs and it's about time that you got out of your own way and started giving it, right? Living and giving. <laughs> Y'all, it feels like I'm from Texas. Living and giving, yeah. I, you know, I know what it feels like to be limited. I know what it feels like to be holding myself back. To have the thoughts get the better of me. My emotions were always in the way. Fear was crippling for me. I didn't believe in myself. I was obsessed with my body image and, and I was totally worried about what other people thought. <laughs> That's how life was for me. How is it for you? It's not living. It really isn't. And I consider myself to be pretty blessed. As at, at this time of recording, I'm looking at the date, <laughs> I'm currently 39. I'll be 40 this year. And I feel very blessed that in my 30s, I've had the opportunity to be able to find the space within me where I don't have the war anymore, where I'm not fighting against myself constantly. It was exhausting. I don't have to stand in front of the mirror anymore wishing that I looked different in order to feel like I was enough. I don't have to go out into the world and prove myself just so I can feel worthy. Can you imagine what that would be for you if you could have that? It's why I teach it, my sisters and my brothers and my others. It's why I teach it. Because I've been where you are. I felt the experiences that you're going through right now. Maybe the apathy could be depression. It could be anxiety. Maybe you're feeling just lost disconnected from you maybe you want to be free 
and you feel trapped in the prison that is your own mind and your own self-judgment. You know, I don't I don't necessarily remember the first time that I distinctly hated my body, but I do remember the very first time that my relationship with my body stopped me from doing something that I wanted to do. I was nine years old and we were going to a theme park called Wet n Wild. So if you're in Australia, you'd probably know about the Gold Coast. In fact, everyone across the world probably knows about the Gold Coast here in Australia. If you're not familiar, it is our, what would I call it, like Miami? Would it be Miami? <laughs> Tell me. Let, 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 let me know. Jump it in the comments or, or shoot, me through a, shoot me through an email or something. Let me know. Effectively, it's like Surface Paradise is like a party town. It's a party town, and up there they have a whole bunch of theme parks. They have a movie world and a dream world, like Universal Studios, that kind of vibe. And there's like Wet n Wild, which is like a water park. It's exactly like a water park. Lots of good fun and rides, and obviously you're in your bathers, your swimmers most of the time. And I was super excited. I was going with my big brother, and my big brother was, we were like this. We were so super close, and, and he was my hero. I feel like I felt like I could do anything when he was around. He just gave me I wouldn't call it confidence, but I guess I guess courage. He gave me the gall to just go do stuff because if he was by my side I felt like nothing could go wrong. And we get to the theme park, this water park, and I was so super excited to be able to attend this thing. We'd driven past it a couple of days before and I'd seen the ride and I was excited, nervous, like I was scared, um, but excited, right? There with my big brother. And so we go on this, we go on this slide. And everybody has to line up in this kind of like felt like a cattle call. Every all the kids, because they're all kids, right? It's the middle of summer. There's kids everywhere. And you all you have to climb this set of stairs. I think it was seven flights of stairs. So that's how tall the slide was going to be. Seven stories up is how high the slide was going to go down. And by that point, even by the time we'd arrived, it was pretty full. So we stood in line for what felt like hours. And finally, we get to the top. We get to the top and we're watching other kids go down. And it's all very exciting. And and my brother always would ask me, like, do you want to go first or should I go first? And I'm like, no, no, you go first. Show me how it's done. Okay, cool. So off he goes. Well, he goes down. He wasn't really afraid of anything, my brother. And it was my turn. And the lifeguard calls me over. I was like, oh, I must be getting the must be getting the instructions. And he says to me, you know, he was probably 15 at the time, I was nine. And he says to me without any thought about what it would actually mean to me. He just goes, You can't go down the slide with your t-shirt on. Now at this point in time, I must have already felt body conscious. I must have already felt like my body wasn't enough or that it was too much, and I was covering it with a T-shirt. I would wear my bathers with a T-shirt over the top. I said to him, oh, no, no, you don't understand. I, I have to swim with them. Like, I have to have my T-shirt on. And he goes, kid, you either take your T-shirt off and carry it down with you or you walk back down the stairs. And I quietly begged him. I didn't want to cause, cause a stir. I didn't want, I didn't want people to notice that there was something going on and bring even more attention to the fact that I couldn't do it. So I think, no, sir, please, please. Like you said, my brother, my brother just went down. That's all good. I just need to go down with my, 
but like I just need to go. It's fine. It's all good. I don't mind if it goes up around my neck. He's like, it's a danger hazard. Look at the sign. No t-shirts. Either go down the slide with it off, or walk back down. My friends, I wish that this was a story that was a story of courage. And in some ways it is. But I wish it was a story of a little girl who decided that her body wasn't going to get in the way of things that she wanted to do in her life. But I guess if that was the case, then I wouldn't have the journey that I had. And maybe I wouldn't be standing here before you as a confidence coach teaching you how to overcome it. Because on that very fateful day, I took a big deep breath, looked at the slide where my brother had gone down and looked at the gauntlet that I was going to have to face to walk back down the stairs. I took a big deep breath and I faced the gauntlet. And the kids jeered at me and they laughed at me and they thought that I was too scared to go down the slide. And I guess that they were right. They just didn't fully really understand why I was scared to go down the slide. And I left the park that day with a fragile, beautiful nine-year-old with my big brother, my hero big brother, my family, thinking that it was the height of the slide that had stopped me rather than the depth of my shame. And I believe that I spent the next 15, however long years of my life crippled with that shame. And it mounted, right? Time after time after time, it mounted. I wouldn't go to that party. I wouldn't wear that outfit. I wouldn't audition for the play. Sometimes I'd be brave and I went and did those things anyway because I was pretty good at pretending. Who can hear me? Who relates to me on that? Pretty good at pretending the whole fake it till you make it kind of vibe. I was the queen of fake it till you make it. Newsflash, spoiler alert, I didn't make it that way. I did not make it through faking it. It's not how it worked for me. I'm sure it doesn't work for you either. You might get a little way, but you're never going to feel the way you really want to. Because for a long time, I just felt like a fraud. You know, I remember being 16 and I never went into a jean shop or a high-end fashion place, not even high-end, just street fashion. I would go into places like Big W and Kmart and Target and the American or the the European equivalent of that might be Primark or um, not, not even H&M, probably Walmart, you know. Like I would go to the places where I knew that they would have my size. And even back then I was probably only a size 16. But we're talking, again, how old am I now? We're talking 25 years ago. And 25 years ago there was no body, po body positivity movement. There were no role models of women just in an average size body. I'm not even talking plus size here. I'm talking average size Australian bodies or female bodies are a size 16. And most of the clothing stores that I would go into stopped at 14. So everywhere that I would potentially shop at with my teenage friends at the time, 
excluded me. But of course, I didn't think that that was something wrong with the clothing. I just assumed that there was something wrong with me, that I needed to do something about that. And to walk into a jean shop to even think about trying on clothes was horrifying to me. But I just put a big bravado on and be like, oh, pff, pathetic. No, why would you spend money on clothes? Meh. I just convinced myself that it was about me not liking fashion rather than me just knowing full well that there was nothing in that store that was going to fit me. I was still avoiding the shame. And so the first time I ever deliberately lost weight, I was 16. I was 16 and, and I remember jumping on the scales at one point in time and I tipped 100 kilos, triple digits, 16 wearing a size men's 40 pants which I think is around a size 18 to 20 Australian women's, that kind of size, 40 inches around the waist. And I was mortified because I had learned over my 16 years that the heavier you were, the less worthy you were. And I think that society still teaches us that now. The heavier you are, the less worthy you were, right? that our weight is equated to our worth, that what we look like is equated to our worth, that if we could just be smaller, prettier, if we could just be more attractive to the world, then we would be more valuable. So I went on a diet. 16, actually pretty old, I would think, for my first diet, but I did. And there was no internet either, by the way, for anyone under 30 listening and watching this, there was a time and I grew up in it where there was no regular internet. So I couldn't just look up what's the best diet or how many calories. I didn't know about any of that. All I thought I knew was that eating fried deep, you know, deep unhealthy food, deep fried fatty food was going to be bad for me. So I should stop doing that. And that I should, you know, the whole eat less and exercise more. So I stopped eating junk food across the board, and I would run, but at night because I was ashamed. So still now I have ample bosoms and I was a, a double D at that point in time and I was too afraid to talk to my mum about getting a bra, sports bra. In fact, I probably didn't even know that a sports bra existed at that point in time. So I put on my two tightest bras that I could, one on top of the other, and then I got masking tape and taped down my breasts so to prevent the jiggle, right, so that I could go running. And in the beginning, I couldn't run at all, but I knew that I had to. And there were days that I would vomit. I would push myself so hard that I would vomit, and it was all a punishment. Inside of my head, it was like, you're pathetic. You're a loser. You have to do this because you no one will ever love you unless you do. You know that guy at school that you like? The reason he doesn't like you is because you're fat and you're pathetic. And it was like a it was like a really mean personal trainer driving me. And when I wanted to eat the junk food, I didn't because I was a pathetic and a loser. And they were the words I said to myself and repeat for a very long time. But I wasn't enough. Loser, pathetic, loser, pathetic. Piece of shit. So I told myself a lot of my beautiful, tender 16-year-old heart. Which of course we know started a lot, a lot longer, a lot. A lot, what am I trying to say? <laughs> it started a lot earlier. There's the word. It started a lot earlier than that, way before 
I hit puberty. And that diet, well, you could say that it worked. Air quotes there. It worked. I lost weight. I lost 20 kilos, I guess. I think I was down to about 80 kilos at the time, and everybody told me how amazing I was. They told me how fabulous I was. You look great. This is so good. What have you been doing? You are amazing. You are amazing. They told me the exact opposite of what I'd been telling myself. They told me that I was amazing. And so when I was fat, they didn't tell me I was amazing. And now they're telling me that I'm amazing. So it further embedded the idea that my weight is equate, equated to my worth. That if my weight is higher, I'm not amazing. And if it's lower, I am amazing. And after a little while, it wore off. You know, people just got used to me looking that way. And they didn't need to tell me I was amazing anymore. And that little voice came into my head again, the chatter. I didn't know about healthy eating. I didn't know about consistency. I didn't know about anything that I know about health and well-being now. All I knew is that I achieved my goal, done, tick the box. I still hated myself. I still thought I was a piece of shit. I was just a skinnier piece of shit now. That's all that it was. And naturally, because I didn't actually change who I was being, I just changed what I was doing, I faltered back, you know. Over the next maybe 12 months, I put all the weight back on. And over the next, excuse me, 10 years of my life, maybe even a little bit longer, I, I guess you would call it yo-yo dieting. <laughs> Over a long period of time, I would go on the latest fad thinking that I was doing the right thing by eating healthily. I would lose weight by running, by moving my body as much as I possibly could. I would lose weight. People would tell me that I was amazing. And then over a period of time, I would put it back on. And no one would say a word. But each time I lost weight, I think in total, I stopped counting at some point from the last time I was on a diet, I was probably about 150 kilos down and on, down and up, right? I'd lost my body weight in a half and put it back on. Can you imagine what that's doing to my health and my well-being and my metabolism? All of the things. Because every single time I'd lost the weight, people didn't comment so much anymore because they knew that it wasn't going to last. And so their faith in me had diminished so much that my faith in myself had diminished too. See, you can't keep the weight off. See, you're pathetic. See, the voices in my head continued. Until the very last diet that I was ever on. And I was counting calories. By that point, the internet was a little bit more prevalent. Maybe I'd read some more books or I'd, you know, I was well into the diet culture and I understood things a lot more. And... I don't know how many calories I was due for the day, but I was hungry, always freaking hungry on a diet. And I'd made the decision of like whatever calorie number I was looking for. I had gotten to the end of the day and I had a extra, like I had leftovers. And of course I was starving. So I was like, yeah, cool, cool. Well, what can I eat? So I go into the cupboard and there laid out before me is a crunchy bar. Oh, mm, my mouth just waters thinking about it. Beautiful crunchy bar. And if you don't know what a crunchy bar, if you're in the States or somewhere else in the world that you don't know what it is, Google it, Cadbury's Crunchy. It is a light honeycomb that kind of melts on your mouth, covered in thin layer of Cadbury chocolate. It's about yay long. 
Yeah, half half a ruler for those of you listening in about half a ruler, and it is godsend. It is heavenly. And I realized that if I had that crunchy bar, I wouldn't go over my calories for the day. And I inhaled it. It was the most delicious thing after, I don't know, six, 12, 10 weeks of of denying myself of any kind of pleasure and joy. I was like, yes, give it to me. And of course, like any good dieter, once I broke the diet with one crunchy bar and the sugar hit my lips, it was super easy to stop, right? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. Second crunchy bar went down. And I'd done the maths and I was still in the range. Okay, cool. I didn't quite notice the crunchy bar so much the second time down. Third crunchy bar. Turns out it was a four pack. That one I don't even remember. Barely. What I do remember is going, okay, if I just eat these three, then I just won't lose any weight today. I won't I won't gain any, but I won't lose any. But of course there was one more crunchy. And as that last crunchy went down my throat, my shame continued to rise. And every single jeer and every single self-hate expression, every single moment of shame and pain and torture within myself culminated in this one moment of a final crunchy bar hitting my lips. And I couldn't take it. I had no skills. I had no way to get beyond myself in that moment. I had no conceivable experience of how I was going to deal with the level of shame and guilt that I was experiencing at that time. (laughs) It was entirely overwhelming. And if 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 I knew what I know now, Again, it would be a very different story. But I didn't, and it's not. The only way that I knew how to do that was by grabbing a hair tie, pulling my hair back off my beautiful 20-odd-something-year-old's face, taking myself off to the bathroom and lifting the lid of the toilet in an attempt to reverse everything that I'd just done. The only thing that happened in that bathroom, apart from making one hell of a chocolatey mess, was that a monster awoke within me. And I spent the next better part of a decade with an eating disorder. Let's face it, I was already disordered eating. It was already not healthy what I was doing. But I crossed the line. I crossed the line and my secret binging began. Binging and purging, binging and purging. I got to the point where I couldn't wait for my partner to leave on a Monday night for a commitment that he had every week so that I could go to the shops, spend close to $100 worth of food, bring it all back home with me, binge and purge while watching America's Next Top Model to the point of exhaustion. 
I would hide all the evidence, make sure it was shoved deep down in the bin so he wouldn't ever find out. And I would send myself off to bed to wake up at 5.30 on a cold Melbourne morning the next day to do a boot camp. Empty stomach. Very, very empty stomach. I was on a path of self-destruction. I didn't know how I could value myself without giving the body that I thought that I needed. I didn't know how to do it. I had no concept. And even though I went down the path of like eating disorder recovery, I found that that we weren't really getting to the crux of what was happening because I wasn't going to an eating disorder because of any other reason except for the fact that my thoughts were not mine, that my thoughts were out of control, my emotions were getting the better of me, fear was crippling me. I didn't know how to deal with criticism and judgment. I had really poor body image. That's what was really happening here. Very often we go ahead and we treat the behavior, the symptom, rather than the cause. You know, I, the beliefs that I had in my head needed changing. And it wasn't until, it wasn't until that big, beautiful hero of mine, my brother, died suddenly at the age of 28, me just a year and a half younger than him, that everything began to change. And that I deepened this path of self-discovery, of learning, how do I deal with my mind? How do I deal with my emotions? I didn't know that any of those were the problem, by the way. I wasn't aware of that. I just knew that I had this big glaring freaking symptom and I needed to do something about it. And slowly but surely over time, I started to come out again. We're talking 13, 14, 15 years ago when I started on this journey of like, how do I help myself? How do I change these thinking, this thinking that is causing this behavior, these beliefs that are causing this behavior, this fear that is causing this behavior, the inner critic and the poor body image, my emotions that are causing this behavior. I didn't just go about changing the behavior. I looked at everything that was underlying. And sisters, well, I stand before you a testament to the work, <laughs> right? Because it has been how long? So it must be now a good, uh, well, a decade and a half since I've binged and perched, right? It's been that long since I've been on a diet. And even though you may have noticed within, within my own space, you've been following me for a while, my body has changed recently. I'm lighter than what I was some time ago. Even notice the language around that. I'm lighter than what I was, right? <laughs> I feel exactly the same way about my body now as what I did 15 kilos ago, which ironically was the same thing that happened when I first lost weight, except now I love myself. I loved myself 15 kilos ago. I love myself now. It's irrelevant. It is totally irrelevant to my worth. I'm no more valuable because I happen to have a healthier version of my body right now, but I happen to be lighter. And I don't necessarily equate that being lighter necessarily means healthy either. 
It does for me right now because I'm eating in a way that's really nourishing for me and I'm moving in a way that's really purposeful. Not from punishment, it's from love. And so it's been that long since I've been on a diet. And my mind, my mind is such a beautiful place for me to live in now. Because that's the thing. Yes, the behavior, the symptoms are gone. But what's really the most impactful moment of this is that the place that I have in my head is a beautiful place to live now. Don't you want your mind to be a beautiful place to live? One where you're not overrun by fear or difficult emotions. One where you don't have to deal with the inner critic or worry about what other people are thinking. One where you get to, like, finally clear those negative self-talk, the thoughts that you have, and have a body image. It's what I want for you too. It's why I do the work that I do. Honestly, because I know what it's like to live in pain around that wholeheartedly live in pain. I've lived every single morsel of it, every single negative self-belief, every single bit of self-doubt and insecurity and punishment, pain and self-harm, running away. If it wasn't eating, it was drinking, it was smoking, it was promiscuity, putting my worth, self-worth in the arms of men. Didn't matter what addiction I had around, all the behaviour was the same. I thought I wasn't enough and I was seeking it externally. If you want to make a change to that for yourself, you're going to have to change something, right? You're going to have to do what I did and learn how to change my thinking, my fears, my beliefs, my emotions, your body image and your inner critic. That's what you're going to have to do. And I, I know that feels like a big task. And, and for me, it was a, a very large task because nobody had put confidence and self-love in a package before. And I don't know if they have done yet. I mean, I have. <laughs> Claim Your Confidence is my six-week foundational course on how to get you from hating yourself, teaching you the foundational skills that if you implement, and I'll show you how to do that too, it's going to change your trajectory of your life forever. I'm living proof of it, my sisters. It's not that I've that I sit here and go, everything's amazing. It's not. I have shitty days. Like I said, I have moments where it's not fantastic but I know how to deal with it now. And the relationship I have with myself is one that it sets me entirely free. And I want you to come along for the journey with me. We start on the 29th of May, which is next week. <laughs> next week, it's very exciting. We have lots of people already in the group. No matter what time zone you're in, you're going to be able to hang out with me as well, by the way, because the live component of the course I'm going to be running in two different time zones. So irrelevant if you're in Europe or the US or you're hanging out in more like Asia Pacific time zones, they're both going to work for you. So yay to that. Plus they're all recorded anyway. All the, all the live sessions are recorded. We hang up six beautiful weeks. I'm not going to go into the details of it. You can go to www.moreconfidence.com.au forward slash claim your confidence. And as a podcast listener, you can go to podme. P-O-D-M-E, that is your coupon code if you want 10% off. Only if you want 10% off. I mean, you don't have to have 10% off. But for those listeners, you can go PODME, P-O-D-M-E. We start 29th of May, 2023. And I'd love to have you here so that you can one day maybe share a similar story of how you used to hate yourself. Except you don't have to spend 15 years trying to figure it out. I've already done that for you. And I can deliver it to you on a beautiful silver platter 
over six weeks to change your life, to learn those foundations, to get the, that level one claim your confidence. Again, it's moreconfidence.com.au forward slash claim your confidence. And your code is PODME, P-O-D-M-E. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being you. I hope that you love every aspect of you one day because that's what it really takes to have pure confidence. And I want that for you. I want you to be able to go shine in the way that you want to in the world. I believe in you and I love you. And like whenever you're working with me, you borrow my confidence, you borrow my self-belief, you borrow my courage until I've taught you how to figure it out on your own. And then you go out with your own wings. It's a beautiful thing. Share this podcast with someone that you love. I would love for you to leave a rating on whatever platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Maybe hit that subscribe button or the download button, follow button on one of those platforms as well. You know the button that you need to press to do the thing. As a good podcast host, I'm meant to tell you about the thing. You know the thing. Do the thing. I love you. Until next time, my friends, happy self-loving. Thank you so much for listening to the More Confidence with Luna Guy podcast. I hope you feel more confident, more self-assured and ready to go tackle the world's problems and maybe kick ass in some of your dreams. If you haven't already, I would love for you to like and subscribe, follow and maybe leave a review so that other people know how to find this awesome podcast too. If you're wanting to sink your teeth into something even more juicy, my number one best-selling book, Perfectly Imperfect, Your Complete Guide to Loving Yourself and Loving Your Body is now available on all good bookstore sites, both in print, digital, and I narrated it for Audible as well. If you think the coaching or maybe one of my courses is for you, why not head to www.moreconfidence.com.au and get in touch and see if we can talk. And of course, you can find me all across the social medias. That's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, which is where you're probably listening now, or maybe even here on the podcast platform. Sending you big love and wishing you a beautiful day.